Tune in every Saturday night on KZSM.org, San Marcos True Community Radio, for Discover Texas showcases musicians as well as performers, filmmakers, comedians, and you just never know what you might hear on Discover Texas, heard live every Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. only on KZSM.org. Share it, listen to it, tell somebody. Discover Texas on KZSM.org. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome to Discover Texas on the Road. We are in the heart of Central Austin with a dear friend, Mark Rubin. We're at Six String Ranch. Can you believe it? Look at this place, man. These guitars, and I don't even know what some of these things are, are next level. And you've probably heard them. This place has made a lot of recordings in here, including this man, Mark Rubin. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing spectacular, man. Um, I have not seen you in a long time, in the age of a young teenager. Isn't that bizarre? It kind of is kind of freaky, man. We've uh, stayed in touch, thankfully. And, yeah. and you know, uh, it's one of the positive aspects of social media. Absolutely. I think we've done our best uh, to, uh, seeing as we're not digitally native, we're not <laughs> uh, young enough to have done that. I think that you and I have done a good job of using social media for good as much as we can. It, it's hard because yeah. it is a demon, but you have to uh, tweak the demon. Certain algorithms of certain sites are better than others, but yeah. I try to take advantage of every single one to push my content. Yeah, and, and but also staying in touch with old friends. That's the best. You know, like, you know, uh, I've got friends from literally around the world, from yeah. uh, Russia and Ukraine, for instance. You know, and, and the way I, you know, keep up with them is on the old face look, yeah. you know, and that's how you and I, uh, you know, we're able to coordinate this little thing that we're doing today, which that's I'm just so happy that we got a chance to do. I'm glad you made time for it, my friend. Um, yeah, Facebook, I don't use the phone a lot. I had been, uh, I don't want to say trapped, but chose a job for over a decade in phone related service. And mm -hmm. I don't want to be on a phone. So right. the Facebook Messenger, it's perfect. For I me. know. That's how we got together on this. Absolutely. Brought to you by Meta. <laughs> 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 so you were in Austin, Texas, uh, I guess kind of a roundhouse on this uh, CD that you've got, or is it proper to say record? The Triumph of Assimilation? What are we calling these now? Um, because this is a CD, and, uh, and for the kids out there that uh, aren't familiar with these, these are little plastic round discs that we used to encode music on. Um, and we place them in little players. Here they are. See how cute they are on the back? They're really You can pretty. even do your makeup on it. Yeah, you can. Actually, Danny Barnes, my buddy Danny Barnes, likes to say, if you've got a fruit tree, you can hang these in your fruit tree and they'll scare away the birds. There you go. They're, so they're very, they're very handy in case you don't want to actually put them in your CD player. A CD player. That's a player that plays these things. Because <laughs> they um, are compact they discs. Are, yeah, because we don't have those anymore. You don't have CD players anymore. But... Uh, uh, actually, now we just like to think of these as souvenirs of music. Mm -hmm. uh, is how I kind of think of them, and uh, and something to put my picture on. That's cool. But uh, shot here. Yeah, this is my new uh, recording, which was made in this beautiful place here, the Six String Ranch, and uh, is this is my record, the Triumph of Assimilation. It's my third solo record, and. Uh, uh, I'm Billed as the uh, Mark Rubin Jew, the of, Jew Oklahoma. of Oklahoma. That is my solo act. I am, my name is Mark Rubin. Mark Rubin Jew of Oklahoma is the name of my act. And that's, uh, that's, that's the music that I present. It's, it's uh, Southern Americana music from a Jewish American point of view, which, as you can imagine, given recent days is uh, an interesting point of view. A magically interesting <laughs> point of view, how things come around, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's interesting how... Uh, 
things have come around. A lot of things that we didn't think we had to contend with, uh, uh, we're having to contend with again. Well, it's very strange. But a lot of that I presage in my recording, um, unfortunately. And a lot of these songs about life, death, moving on, staying uh, relevant, maybe? Well, also the encroaching ra- uh, rise of fan- fascism and anti-Semitism yeah. as well, because a couple of the tunes on this recording um, are uh, English trans-adaptations of poems by uh, a Yiddish poet by mm-hmm. the name of Mordecai Gebertig, who I know real well uh, because I hang out with a lot of people in the Yiddish music and Yiddish cultural world. He was a poet who operated in Poland in the late 30s. There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's very current times, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell right. you. So. Uh, yeah, feels familiar. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote about, guess what? Uh, the rise of fascism mm-hmm. and the rise of anti-Semitism. And a lot of his songs were uh, about trying to wake people up and let them know that, uh, no, it's, it's getting bad and that... You need to do something about it. You need to you need to wake up and and be aware about it, and that we do have the tools to beat this back. We we do. There's How overwhelming is it that since the '30s and probably before, we've been needing to do something about it? Yeah, right. Well, we have. There's more of us than there are of them, Whew. and that's that's part of my message. That's part of the message of this of this particular poet, and he 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 wrote in Yiddish. And there's a lot of people who sing in Yiddish. And I'll be honest with you, I had a klezmer band here uh, 20 years ago, and we recorded his tunes. We recorded some of his songs, the very songs that I record on this record. But we recorded them in the Yiddish language. But who who, who understands the Yiddish language? The idea is to uh, get this out to the people who need to hear it, uh, people who speak English. Yes. And not just Jewish people, but people just generally. Uh, you know, we need allies. God, do we need allies today? Um, so uh, I felt it was important. I, I took the literal translation of the poems and then I changed them a little bit and then I added stanzas to make mm. them a little more uh, current mm-hmm. to, to our life situation today. And then I, I wrote a couple other tunes about what it's like to be Jewish in the South. And I, I, you know, it's I, it's not all you know doom and gloom. There's a couple little funny pieces on there, but we'll, we'll maybe maybe we'll play a little bit off here. Absolutely, so people, people will see what see what I'm up to. I think that's a given. Absolutely. But uh, you can find this uh, on your Bandcamp, and and I think everyone has figured out by now that even though Spotify is very handy uh, to listen to music, it's not a way to recompense artists. Mm-mm. Uh, it's it's very handy, and I understand why people like to use it. And people, uh, I, I don't fault them. I don't fault them for using it as a tool it's to listen to music and find and discover new music. But it does not recompense the artist. And the problem is, is that what that means is, is that the artist is expected to go and spend thousands of dollars to create the art. And then not get paid back for it. Yep. And I don't understand the hubris of the listening public that they just assume that I'm sitting on top of the $12,000 it takes to make and promote a record. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they think that that's coming from. I know that it wouldn't, however, come from streaming 
independently. Like even if everybody went to title, who right. pays everybody the right. most, it's still not fixing the problem. Right. But so. whereas the the, the squarest deal, mm-hmm. you know, the squarest deal that there are for musicians is on Bandcamp. And even oh, right. though it's even though it's not the best deal, I'll be honest with you, it's not the best deal. It's the fairest deal mm-hmm. going. So if you really want to support an artist. Go ahead and listen on Spotify. If that's if that's how you listen to music, go ahead. And, but if you like the artist, you want to support the artist. Who, if it's me, that's fine. Or whoever the artist is, get you, go over there, find that artist on Bandcamp, buy that record. That that artist is going to see a good chunk. I think if uh, if if the record's like ten bucks, the artist sees like seven. And on Fridays, I guess it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent of it. Yeah. So, Where you get that? That's yeah. yeah. It's a it's a uh, one one Friday a month. That's oh, is that what it is? Bandcamp yeah. Friday. That's Bandcamp Friday. Yep. So uh, uh, that's my recommendation for fans, the true fans, people Absolutely. who really want to put their money where their mouth is. And I know times are rough and everything, but they're a lot rougher. But I just want people to do the the economics. Um, uh, we have a saying. Can I curse? Oh fuck yeah! Um, in uh, in in uh, in New Orleans where I live, they have a saying. This shit ain't free. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, do you want it to be good? I mean, do you want do you want this stuff to be good? Well, this shit ain't free. Do you want bead music or right. do you want dollar bill music? Like, do you, do you do you want do you want to eat food at a place where they don't pay the chef? I mean, I you, you know what I mean? Like, yes, sir. You know, do you want to live in a house where they didn't pay the carpenter? You're going to get what you pay for. You're going to get what you pay for. So Amen. if you complain about the crappy bands you see on stage, and if you complain about the crappy music you hear on the radio, well, I hate to say this, friends and neighbors, you kind of have yourself to blame. Um, that's because you're not paying for the music. And so if you would support these artists in some way, if you would patronize these art these artists, then they would have an opportunity to create their art and present you a better art. And that's really all I have to say about the subject. And that sounds like a triumph of assimilation oh, in so itself. Kind of say. You're so kind of say. See what I say? So, uh, I understand you have some songs. Oh, you'd like me to sing a song? Would you play us a song, oh, my friend, Mark song, Rubin? Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll play you a song of introduction. Uh, this is from my second record. Um, I play upon the banjo. People, oh. people find this to be interesting how uh, a Jewish person uh, would be so in, uh, interested in the banjo. But the story goes as I got my first banjo. Uh, we should, let's make sure that's in tune. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not a joke. The banjo is actually tuned. There is a tuning for banjos. There is a tuning for banjos. And they are played in tune. The old joke being is that half the time... Uh, you spend in your career tuning the banjo, and the other half you spend playing the banjo out of tune. <laughs> this there's banjo. A, there's a lot of banjo jokes, bro. There's, uh, there's, a lot, there's a books lot of, and books yeah. of jokes. For yeah, sure. We could just go and go. I'm going to sing this song here as by means of introduction. Um, this tells a little bit about what it's like to grow up in uh, Jewish in the South. It's uh, and uh, I, there's a, I base this off a. Uh, uh, a comedy routine by a guy named Brother Dave Garner. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, some, you know. Yeah. If you were raised up in the South of a certain age, you know who Brother Dave Garner <laughs> Absolutely, was. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's kind of the litmus test. <laughs> not you're mm-hmm. from the South. And Brother Dave Garner uh, had a routine called The Great Religions of the World. And he would talk about the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the, and the, and the Catholics. And then he would go, Now the Jews... <laughs> 
you know, you're like you're on you're waiting to hear what does he have to say about the Jews, right? And then he goes, Now, dear hearts, the southern Jews is good news. It's just them Yankees I'm worried about. <laughs> that's where I got the idea. Oh, about that's this. beautiful. So a Southern Jews are good news, baby. Well, Southern Jews is a damn good news, well. Southern Jews are good news, baby. Well, it's just them Yankees I'm a worried about. He got them Jews up in Oklahoma. Past the average landsman. He got them down in Tennessee, down in Mississippi, down in sunny old Alabama. Well, heck yes, I say, can Mike's a shunnest leave. Is this to you great news? Cause New York City seems a mighty exotic. To a southern Jew. You know, we're mostly in the agribusiness, just like Tevya milking cows. You can pick our farms out from the rest, from the absence of any sound. You know, our Yankee kids, poor manners, we often must excuse. No pigs in our poke, no, we ain't no joke. We're the down home southern Jews. Let me tell you a story. We take our bacon off of our cheeseburgers, and we greet you with a you know we drive to Shulon Travis in our breast dressed overalls. You know we're famous for our barbecue. It's kosher beef, so you can't refuse. Got a trucker cap for my keeper. It's the shrimel of the Southern Jews. Now Southern Jews are good news, baby. Well, uh, Southern Jews is a damn good news. Well, uh, Southern Jews are good news, baby. Well, it's just them Yankees I'm worried about. You know, some folks down here say we pass for white. At least they ain't black. Well, it might be true for some down here, but you always gotta watch your back. It's true, our skin tone gives us much relief. Some days we get to choose. You gotta navigate your privilege when you live as a Southern Jew. Let me tell you about Judah Benjamin. He was the Confederate Secretary of State. On that particular point, friends, you know, we lined up on side of hate. When the war of northern aggression, y'all might think you got a higher score. But if you look down south today, you gotta say y'all sure enough lost that war. Did we kill your lord? Heck yes we did. Bring him back and we'll kill him again. And the good old boys all belly laugh, cause we're all the best of friends. Well, that sort of talk I might have shocked you. In fact, it might confuse. But it's source like this all the live long day when you live as a southern Jew. Well, now, southern Jews are good news, baby. Well, uh, southern Jews is a damn good news. Well, uh, southern Jews are good news, baby. Well, it's just them Yankees I'm worried about. Man, I'll tell you what, um, you make it sound very palatable with the food in the song, I'll have to say. Southern Jews, you got, you got to look out for the Yankees, though, on a lot of levels. So. Being that uh, you are in the situation you are in Oklahoma, Jewish heritage, um, What's what's your life for you to have uh, much support? Like how I know you've been involved in a lot of things yep. to spread the education yep. and 
as far as what would I say population in Louisiana, where does that stand? Well, the popul the Jewish population in Louisiana is just fourteen thousand people. Think about that for a yeah. second. And of those fourteen thousand people, uh, a, between nine and eleven thousand of them are in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and in fact, uh, Jews make up point six seven percent of the population of the South. Man, that's just that's that's seven point seven percent of the population of the South. So it's never even even been one percent. So it's. Uh, it's a minority. It's a minority of a minority. So, but what's strange about it is it's always been an outsized minority that has always been represented outsized in so many respects, especially in 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 uh, in mercantile and in, uh, in in other words in in business. We've always done really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, they a lot of those Jewish families in the South are very, very established. So it's a tight knit community it, because it's been so uh, it's it exists in such a uh, how shall I say I'm trying to pick my words very carefully because if you don't someone else will yeah the problem is is when you grow up in the Baptist lands you know you know when I was a kid the Southern Baptist Convention uh, decided that one of their things that they decided that they were going to get everybody on was they were going to convert all the Jews. And being a kid, you know, it was really, really rough to have all these, all your friends from school trying to come and testify and preach to you all the time. But then it was much worse when it was your English teacher, mm. like in class. You know, because you're supposed to. Do well, yeah, the, but, you know, I mean, the, by the way, the separation of church and state, as far as the educational system in Oklahoma, is a joke, and it still is. I don't think it's any different today than it was when I was a kid in the '70s. I don't think it's any different at all. Uh, so, uh, though, you know, when you're when you're raised in this kind of, it's almost a combative environment yep. to where you, the moment you leave the house you're walking into a Christian nationalist world mm -hmm. and where the only time you ever get to have a Jewish experience is in your own home or when you drove to Oklahoma City to go to Sunday school on Sunday or to uh, go to services on a Friday night. So your Jewish culture and your Jewishness became like something really precious that you held on to. And this is a different experience from people, say, who grew up in Chicago or New York or even Miami Beach or something that had very large Jewish populations mm -hmm. where Jewish culture, you know, was just taken for granted, where you could, get, you could go to a deli, you could get kosher food, you could do all those sorts of things. Um, I do have a song that relates to that experience. If yeah, you, if you're curious. yeah, it sounds and time, you, and timely. You, so. you had mentioned food. 
Yes, exactly. You mentioned food. So I'm and you've addressed like pretty much everything I'm going with the, in, in the somewhat masked question I've thrown you. So thank you. That's kind of what I was looking for. And uh, it's it's one of those things I guess you've learned to deal with. We'll, we'll spend some time talking uh, when you're done picking about uh, how you've kind of made the jaunt from Oklahoma to, to, to Austin and became extremely popular and well liked and everybody had all nothing but good things to say about Mark Rubin and then you, for some reason you decided to leave this land and go back to Oklahoma Can you believe I but, was called uh, the Austin Chronicle called me in 1996 Austin's goodwill ambassador <laughs> I saw that you remember that that was ridiculous dude you just smile and nod right thank you smile. yeah and the picture they took of me I was sitting there with a 45 pistol <laughs> God bless well this is a true story since we were talking about like growing up like how do you pull this off so I thought about the times that my family tried to keep kosher there in Stillwater Oklahoma and keeping kosher in Oklahoma is impossible and one of the reasons why is because the kosher butchers you know who were in faraway places they didn't have to send us their best meat you follow? Yeah. They just had to send us quote unquote kosher meat. Yes. So they didn't have to send us their best cut. They mm -hmm. had us by the short hairs. Mm. So they weren't exactly helping us out. <laughs> you know? So at some point it was and then it was super expensive. You could barely afford it. But they were doing the right thing. Yeah, right. And so, you know, and uh, the old joke is nobody ruined kosher food more than kosher butchers. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just so hard to keep it up and uh, there's a lot of lines in this t tune right here that are, are from my life's experience growing up, and we call this tune Down South Kosher. Nice. Okay. And a few little things here. I've mentioned some Jewish foods. Some non-Jewish people will pick it up. There's a kind of food, there's a stew called chulent that we have on Shabbos, and we're coming up on Shabbos. And so I talk about chulent, and I talk about latkes. I think people know about what latkes are. Yep. So, uh, and... Uh, I mentioned bagels too, so it's all about food. So this is called Down South Culture. It's off my new record, The Triumph of Assimilation. It goes like Keeps her southern belly well satisfied But if you're gonna stay Jewish Well it best suffice To see bacon as a garnish And hammock as a spice Tell me Mrs. Cohen Why's your tulips so nice? I use bacon as a garnish And hammock as a spice If you're gonna keep kosher Gotta work real hard Cause everything here's got a little coat of lard You make accommodations when you live in the south And don't ask too many questions About what goes in your mouth Don't wanna stick out You wanna get along So eat that crawfish And sing my little song worth a tinker's down not in the land of the glazed country ham in the church picnic may be the only meal so they ain't pork 
chops, let's call it pink veal. Tell me, Mrs. Katz, why's you like us so fine? I use lard instead of schmaltz, and I do it all the time. If you're gonna keep kosher at the end of your fork, it's best to close your eyes and pray it ain't pork. And if you're gonna keep Jewish, well, it best suffice to see bacon as a garnish. <laughs> Man, it'd never, ever be okay with that up north. No, they that that's not that excuses are not acceptable. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a the excuses are not acceptable. Um, the the uh, uh, <laughs> we were uh, my dad was the director of the interfaith council in uh, in our town of Stillwater, and one of the reasons why they picked a Jewish person is because uh, the Baptists and the Church of Christ couldn't get along. So they, they <laughs> anybody from the South knows what I'm Amen. talking about. Um, so they picked a Jewish person to run the Interfaith Council because they couldn't get along. It was so funny. And uh, so he would have to go to these damn church picnics all the time. And we drove out to the country, man, and this church picnic, and it was like, what's for supper, Bob? Uh, well, oh, goodness. Uh, uh, <laughs> smothered southern pork chops. And we just oh. dad looks at mom and looks at me, and he just turns to my mom and goes, it's pink veal. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So that's a true story, man. No, you 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 get by the best you can. You make you you know you, you're you're set upon by all angles, and you you know you either sink or you swim. And and look, man, when I was a kid, you know we had rocks thrown through the windows, and you know uh, you know my dad got spat on. Uh, there was an uh, ugly occasion one time when we got pulled over by the sheriff, um, and he told my dad he he would uh, he'd forego the ticket if he accepted Christ right then. Um, we got a cross burned in the yard. Um, Damn. Our neighborhood had a white citizens council that this would be like in the seventies. This is seventy one, seventy three. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were signs in our whenever a house went up for sale in our neighborhood, the White Citizens Council would put out signs, you know, like, you know, making sure that no person of color would feel comfortable in our neighborhood. Yeah, you know, things like that. You couldn't swim in the well. Catholics, same thing. They they were they felt that way about Catholics too. People forget. So, uh, uh, you know, they you know they 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 try and break you, you know. But what it does is it makes you. You know, it 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 uh, it hammers that stuff home. Yeah. And I think I think what happens is, uh, I think when I when I left Oklahoma, uh, I I kind of was I kind of was able to come to Texas. What's beautiful about Texas and about people who come to Texas is they get to kind of reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They kind of they can run away from whatever they they had from before Mm -hmm. and then they get to uh they get to experience uh they can change their name they can 
change their, you know, they can change their style of dress. They can, you know, they can reinvent themselves. And a lot of people do this. Absolutely. And so I, I'll be honest with you. I think I did too a little bit. Sure. You know, um, I was able to, I was working with Flaming Lips. I was working with all these punk rock bands. Um, I had been, I'd been playing in country western bands. I'd been playing in bluegrass bands. And I never let it, I never like, I never really uh, let my Jewish identity slip out. Even though last name Rubin is a you know big <laughs> giveaway, right? You know, it's a big giveaway for a lot of people. But I never let it slip out. But the thing was, is that it really wasn't an issue, especially in Texas. It really wasn't an issue until it was. Right, right. So did you deal with that? I was going to ask, being in Oklahoma, being that punk kid in Kill Billy, or listen to that crazy music you would be listening to. Mm-hmm. Was it the same identity that you had coming to Texas, or is that what you're escaping from? No, I think I think I was escaping dumbassery. Yeah, yeah. I think I think and look at Oklahoma today. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who got caught with like a joint, and they're in jail still. Damn. You know what I mean? Well, they're Native American. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, There's all those brown. other factors. I mean, the white guys didn't. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But, but, but the, the you know the brown guys they're still in jail, and and which is funny because you can buy Oklahoma made cold pressed hash uh, anywhere any dispensary you know, on absolutely. any street corner now. That's the great irony about Oklahoma. But I mean, look, the governor of Oklahoma just uh, the new governor just announced that he claims every inch of Oklahoma in the name of Christ. You know what I mean? So, so there's uh, a separation of yeah, church talk, and something. I just talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I'm, I got out of there to kind of get away from the dumbassery and, and, and also just kind of like live a life, you know, just, you know, like kind of just try and be normal, just try and, you know, in other words, fly under the radar. And I wasn't going to synagogue and I wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't, you know, that observant or anything, but it, it really wasn't an issue culturally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't really an issue culturally in my life until it really did become one. And yeah. it, it became a, it, ma- it became a major stumbling block for w- me. Was there a time that made you change into the more active gentleman you are today with this subject? Well, yeah. Um, it was a very unfortunate occurrence. Uh, bad livers, uh, which a lot of people was going to require some explanation. Uh, uh, there was a group here in town that I had with a banjo player by the name of Danny Barnes, and we played around town. And this gentleman right here was an early supporter of our group, had, used to have us come on and play on your show back in 1990, 1991. I remember, not to interrupt, but the Saxon Pub. Yeah. The kind of best way I explain the Bad Livers to people is I would go to see the, these guys, and there was a handful of people, and it was a good time, and drinking occurred, and we all had a good time. And then it just seemed like maybe three months later, you couldn't walk through the room at the yeah. same gig word got out word got out that it was a good time down at the saxon pub and there was this weirdo band that was playing all kinds of different kinds of american music on the banjo and the bass and the fiddle and the accordion and the guitar and having a real good time doing it and that they played american and americana music with a punk rock energy because we were all punk rocker dudes but we all came from acoustic you know americana backgrounds mm-hmm. so unlike a lot of punk rockers who wanted to play country music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We were cats who like actually did play it all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of played from a different place. And the Butthole Surfers were big fans of ours. They took us out on the road. So this really opens us up to a whole new audience. We weren't playing for the bluegrass people. Mm-mm. We never went and played for the. We never went and played for the country people. We never went and played for the bluegrass people. We played for the punk rockers and the weirdos. 
and the Austin people, and that that was like a scene, and it was happening at the Saxon Pub. Because you weren't at the Broken Spoke. Nope, we sure weren't places <laughs> like that. Yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm in the Bad Livers, uh, and we were doing real well for ourselves. And then at one point, um, our career got to the point of where now the bluegrass people were listening. They really liked us, and they kind of invited us in a little bit. They're dollars, too. Yeah, i got to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) And they signed us to a record label called Sugar Hill Records, which is a serious acoustic music and bluegrass label. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trepidatious. But we got in there, and we were able to make our records the way we wanted to make them. Non-bluegrass fashion. Right. (laughs) We made our records. Yes, sir. And uh, uh, we were label mates with a lot of serious bluegrass bands. And so we would play these uh, uh, these showcases with them oftentimes. So there we were in Nashville, and we were doing a showcase um, with the Del McCory band. Damn. And I know all those guys. I know everybody. I know the McCory family, and I know everybody in that band. And I remember getting on the, the tour bus and uh, having a chat with the guys in the band because um, I was thinking about relocating. I was thinking about leaving Austin. This is about 1995. I was thinking, you know, making a career jump. Right before the dam broke. Let me be honest with you. Um, making a career jump, moving to Nashville, and when Bad Livers weren't touring, go and play bluegrass music, right? Mm-hmm. Because I had the skill set. Mm-hmm. I'd been doing it forever. And everyone agreed I was good at it. And now a big old foot in the door. Right. And <laughs> here I am on Sugar Hill Records with critically acclaimed records. Right? Yes. And I, there I am sitting on Del McCory's tour bus. And everybody there knows me. And they're, they, they, they think thought fondly of me, I'm thinking. Right? <laughs> so um, Ambassador. Yeah. So <laughs> Austin's a goodwill music ambassador. So I'm sitting there. And, uh, and I, I'm just literally as close as I am to you sitting there talking with Del McCory. And um, I go, I go, hey, Dale. I said, hey, Dale. I'm thinking about maybe relocating up here to Nashville and trying to make a go playing trap bluegrass. Now, do you hear that sound? That's exactly what I expected, but yes, sir. That was the sound I was greeted to on a bus full of musicians. You could have heard a damn pin drop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, it was one of those, one of those Tom Waits, what's the matter? Did I say something wrong? You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I looked around the bus and I was like, what, what's wrong? Were they glaring? No, everyone okay. was just kind of like looking around. <laughs> and, uh, and I look over at Dale, and I go, what's, I said, what did I say? And Dale looks at me, and he goes, well, you know, Mark, we already got a Jewish bass player in Nashville. <sighs> and there it was. Yes, sir. And then I said, Dale, are you telling me what I think you're telling me? <laughs> And then I'll never forget. He goes, We hire out of the church parking lot. 
Don't reckon we'll see you there. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Well, sir, you got your job cut out for you. And so it's like, well, I can do one of two things. Then he, then he goes, I reckon you'd do better if you just stayed in Texas. Oh. That's sitting in your end. That's a wake up, huh? That was a bless your dear hearts moment. Yeah. Del McCoy. Wow. Right. But I mean. Is he an anti-Semite? I don't think so. No. But what he was doing. Realist? Well, he was telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. Like people hear that story. Like Jews hear that story. Oh, yeah. And they go, Del's, what a terrible anti-Semite. No. And I go, no. No, 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 no. Del's my friend. He's just telling me like it is. That's how it is. It was unpleasant to hear, right? It was unpleasant to hear. But like, there's one of two things I can do. I can either uh, move up there to Nashville and beat my head against the wall. And maybe the way, and I'm a bullheaded guy, and maybe I can bust through and get to there, right? Or uh, they can all go fuck themselves. Right? If that's how they're going to be. Yep. Right? Then they can, because this is the truth. At the same time, at the same time, a member of the Bad Livers touring band, right? Bob Grant. Yep. Who's from Long Island, who did not grow up playing this music. He got a job in a touring gospel bluegrass band. Twice. <laughs> so that's the issue. It's not even being a Christian. Yep. It's just, you know what I mean? Like it was just laid out for him. So it doesn't become an issue until it does become an it's issue. It's not an issue until it's an issue. And it's amazing how that becomes a thing. And it's a thing. You're trying to do you and move on in your life and here, bam. And it's and it was like one of those, well, if you're playing pl- progressive bluegrass or weirdo bluegrass or something like that, no. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play good old, like for real, no BS. This is the bluegrass I was raised with. This is the bluegrass of the church parking lot that I learned in. I'm going to say things you may have practiced, known, been very since, accomplished at since playing. I first started playing the bass. Oh, my the God. The very first music I started playing when I got an upright bass, well, I took it to a Church of Christ parking lot on a Wednesday night out back behind my house. And that's how I learned to play the bass. I sing tenor in all the parts in that Church of Christ hymnal. Yep. I know all that stuff. Now, am I a believer? No, that's quite all right. How many of those sons of guns are real believers if you want to get down to it? You want to take that story, turn it around to to Slayer? Yeah. (laughs) You know, they believe in the dollar. (laughs) So I'm just, you know, it was like, it was, it was one of those. You know, the system, the system is, the system is, Mm you know, now, now at that moment, at that very moment that this door is shut, you know, a window opens up and that's when I get a phone call from this guy named Henry Sposnick 
who was an old-time banjo player back in the 60s, but his father was a, was a cantor, was a, uh, was a Holocaust survivor and a cantor, and he now runs this uh, organization that teaches klezmer music. There you go. And he was a big Bad Liver fan. Wow. And he was like, why don't you come up here and help me run, work at this camp? We need a bass player. We don't have any bass players. Why don't you come up here? And so from 1996 until the camp closed 30 years later, um, I was involved with that camp. And, and by being involved at that camp, I got to meet every single one of the musicians working in the quote-unquote klezmer music community and ended up, man, I'm not joking, having a wonderful career as a bassist and a tuba player touring all over Europe and points east uh, playing really wonderful klezmer music. Absolutely. Now, but see, let's, but let's look at this for a second. Did I grow up playing this music? No. 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 I had to learn this music. This goes back to the question, is it nurture or is it nature? Yeah. Right? There's some there's kind of some racist overtones. Big time. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I was allowed by these Europeans to go and play Jewish music because I was Jewish. So much so that I actually teach Europeans how to do it. I'm, by the way, I've, I've studied it and I'm damn good at it. So, um, but you know what I mean? Like I don't get to play the music that I was nurtured with, mm-hmm. but I get to play the music of my nature that I don't know anything about. Wow! Like what? What? It's a little window into why things don't ever change. Right. It's you know? it's it's this it's this terrifying situation that I found myself in. I mean, there was another situation that was similar when I was working with Santiago Jimenez Jr. Mm-hmm. You remember him? Yes. So I was working with he's got a new record out, by the way. No, it's killer. How about that? Um but I, I produced a couple records from him and I played bass with him. And uh, I was his bass player, and uh, I arranged for him to have a tour in uh, Europe. Yeah. And I sent, he go, I got a note, I got a fax. Remember faxes? Oh, jeez. I got a fax. This is 1993. I got a fax saying, uh, who, are the, who are the band members for the plane tickets? And I sent the band, I sent the names, and I put mine as a bassist. And the promoter sent me back another fax and says, oh, no. No, 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 no. Uh, if we wanted a white bassist, we could get one here. Wow. Wow. Huh. There you go. And that was the end of my career with, with uh, Santiago. Mendes. I guess, huh? Wow. That's unreal. So racism is real. And, yes. it, and it cuts both ways. Yes. You know what I mean? So you know what I did? I went out and found a Hispanic guy to go and I taught him how to play. I love it. Do you know what I mean? But he had, but you know what? He didn't grow up with the music. There you go. Exactly. Like, it shouldn't be these walls that, I guess, they're profitable for reasons, but man. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that, but it's, there's a further question here. There's a further question that I like. This is what my act is out to identify and, and asks the hard questions about is, are you going to other us? I mean, a Korean kid who's born and raised in Mississippi, whose parents were born and raised in Mississippi, 
he's from Mississippi. He's a Southerner. But do his neighbors consider him a Southerner? Hmm. Or do they consider him some other, some pe- somebody from the outside? So, like, it's like, and I'm going to rail on this for a second. It's like when uh, Austin Chronicle puts klezmer music in the world music section. This is bullshit. We're from here. Yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, you're basically saying, when you put it in the world music, when you put klezmer music in the world music section, you're saying, you don't belong here. You're from some other place. Yep. So go fuck yourself. We belong here. We've been here. I'm from here. So the whole point, the whole point of my act, Jew of Oklahoma, is a, hey, motherfucker, I'm from here. You Like, I am Jew of Oklahoma. Here. I'm from here. You can't say, you can't say I'm the Jewish bass player. Right. I'm the bass player. God bless. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I'm the fucking bass player. Like, I'm the bluegrass bass player. I'm yeah, not man. the Jewish bass player. If that's That's you. You're putting that on it. So if you're going to other me like that, I'm just going to other you back, yep. and I'm going to put it right back in your face. Mm-hmm. So that's that's and that that my friend goes back to punk rock. That is punk rock, dude. That's the heart of it all, dude. It's just like the, it's a mindset. It's a way of life, man. I mean, that's it's it goes entirely back to my punk rock training. Is it like? This is all, everybody is walking past this stuff. They're whistling past this stuff. Yeah. They're just, they're, no one's talking about it. And, you know, they're just, it's, they're letting it go. They're letting it go. And now look what's going on in mm-hmm. the news. Yep. It's because they just let it go and let it go. And this is what we got now. Like, uh, this, if you continually other a person. You know, you continually other them. You continually other transgender people. You other them as if they're some other kind of person. Yep. You know what I mean? Then you can do horrible things to them. The boxes, they're all put in. The headlines are categorized based on that content and one after another, man. And so the whole whole idea that I have for this... um, uh, project that I'm doing and the record a Triumph of Assimilation which by the way is not a statement it's more of a question um, because of the way in with which you know Jews have assimilated into our country but like to what end you know what I mean mm, like mm-hmm. how many of our values have we given up you should be excited you're accepted but I mean like <laughs> but like how much, like, hey, look, man, back during the Civil War, Jews owned slaves. You know what I mean? They assimilated really well into the South. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So how many of our values do we give up mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to enter into a society? Like, that's the triumph of assimilation is when you have given up too much of, your, of, your, of the great things that make your culture beautiful, you know, to join into this other morass yeah. that may not that may not be worth it. So I my the title of my record is more of a question than it is an answer. And uh, uh, I hope I hope that's how it's taken. I know that we're talking about Jewish themes here and everything, but um, I think that they relate across a 
I think they uh, they relate across the board for mar- marginalized people altogether. I there would, you go. I, I would hope that that's the case. Yep. And I think uh, that label of marginalization in this world of division that we're dealing with, I don't know one person that's probably not falling into something in that category. Precisely. Yeah. So you have some guitars. I'm going to yeah. try to convince you to play some more music here. here. If you are checking us out just now, it is Discover Texas. I do a radio show every Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. on KZSM.org. We're down here in the heart of Central Austin, Six String Ranch, and this place is beautiful. So uh, thanks to the folks with Six String Ranch for letting us come in here and uh, feel at home. And thanks to Mark for letting me do this. So uh, Mark is going to do another track from his latest. CD. Remember, folks, shiny little things you can put in and hear music with. Uh, the Triumph of Assimilation. And uh, Mark, what you got, my friend? Well, speaking of punk rock, um, also old-time music, there's a form of song in old-time music called uh, a murder ballad, right, where you recount a tale, you recount a story uh, about, you know, some awful circumstance where somebody ends up dying. So um, I thought a lot and hard about a guy uh, named Leo Frank, who um, you should, you know, Leo Frank, I'll give everybody a moment to Wikipedia that for a second, because I'm not going to tell the story um, about the events leading up to his lynching. So um, I'm going to tell you about his lynching. Um, So also there was a a lot of people are into old time music. They like this guy, Fiddling John Carson. There was a very famous... Uh, fiddler named Fiddling John Carson, and he is much beloved uh, in the in the old time music com- community. Uh, and I'm going to try and make people. I'm going to try and dissuade people of that. It's called the Murder of Leo Frank. So well, well, you might have heard the ballad, or you might have sung the song about poor little Mary Fagan and how it was that she was wrong. Well, my story's not about the crime, about the so-called trial, when Leo Frank, the innocent, was found guilty and given time. Leo Frank's been gone, but his memory lingers on. accounts railroaded by the courts. Thousands came from all around for Frank's life to make sport. And out on the courthouse steps, old John Carson could be heard making songs right upon the spot for the hundreds gathered there. He sang, let's hang that little Jew. Let's hang that little Jew. Come on, let's hang that little Jew. Let's hang that little Jew. It was the 17th of August, it was on that fateful day, six cars filled up with angry men to the midfield prison game. Where they drained the gas tanks up, the cops cut down the telephone wires and cuffed the friendly warden, and with Frank they did goodbye. It was out in Marietta, had a spot did they prepare theirs and all branch and a length of rope and a rickety old chair. Leo Frank 
Frank wiki y'all that's uh i am i'm gonna go check it out for sure this particular piece was this uh you know where did it come from was this an interest of your own you've developed this out was this a yeah you know the story about leo frank is is that you know there's this there's this mythology about um lynching in the south and there's this thing about the only white man ever lynched. And they talk about Leo Frank. Well, Leo Frank wasn't white. In the in the teens, uh, Jews and Italians and immigrants weren't considered white in this country. Um, in fact, there were uh, many uh, Italian Americans lynched in New Orleans. Uh, that's a story not often mm. well told. That's a song in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to do lynching songs. That's, well, uh, that's, I mean, uh, that's, unfortunately, I've, plenty I've, of material. I've got I've, I've got the one going. Yeah. Um, but uh, the uh, uh, the thing about Frank was that um, it was just it was drawn out in the press and it just went on and on and on and on and it was just so obviously a, 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 a public display of anti-Semitism um, and at the conclusion of you know after the day he was uh, uh, lynched is also considered the beginning of the anti-defamation league was founded at the uh, at the at the same time they, mm. they it's the founding of the adl and though the adl in my mind is somewhat problematic today um they do uh, they do a lot of really great work and they are a voice against anti-semitism and anti-judaism uh, in this country and so uh it's an important 
Uh, it's an important chapter that needs to be, uh, you know, uh, understood. That uh, that's all I have to say about that. There you go. And uh, you are based out of New Orleans these days. I live in New Orleans. I do. You've been dealing with some things. The weather. You've had some uh, physical yeah. setbacks. Yeah, I've had a couple setbacks. We've uh, we've had uh, since I've moved there. We have. Uh, I've left town twice now for uh, for tor- uh, tornadoes. I'm from Oklahoma. This <laughs> happens all the time. I'm from Oklahoma, so I call them tornadoes. They get so mad at me. Yeah, um, hurricanes. You know, I would take a tornado over a hurricane any day because right. a tornado just comes out of nowhere and destroys everything. A hurricane, you can see them coming. You know what I mean? Like it's just this existential dread. And we actually watch them as they come off the coast of Africa. Now, I mean, we literally watch them form and then they come at us and uh ida was really awful yeah yeah ida was the worst and uh uh, our infrastructure there in new orleans just can't take it anymore and uh uh you know those storms uh are it's it's making everybody miserable Mm -hmm. but uh you know we bought a house so we're staying you know what's really funny is that uh we were we were in nashville at my fiance's uh family's house you know bugged out that's what they call it when you leave town we Mm -hmm. were bugged out and uh there we were you know uh worried about this hurricane and we were like looking through zillow looking to buy a house Mm. you know i mean like this is how you know you're a new orleanian man is when you're shopping for a house in the middle of a hurricane (laughs) do you get flood insurance like yeah, you do. You know? And you have you don't want to know what it costs. Oh, I, I've paid it. I was flooded. I understand. Yes, sir. Left my home in a rubber boat. So. Yeah, man. It's but the good news is, is that our house is on the second story. So mm. we've got a we've got a two story. So. And you do swim. I'm really good. I'm really good. Good I'm, to hear. I'm good at swimming. So you'll be safe. Yeah, I'll be safe. <laughs> I'll be safe. Do you uh feel like austin and new orleans are polar opposites or uh you know do- i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say something advisedly here again mm-hmm. uh, do you remember nancy griffith yes okay when nancy griffith left austin right you remember what she did ah, it's been so long man I know. i'll never forget i talk about the nancy griffith uh disease when nancy griffith left austin she talked shit about this place to everybody who would listen. Yep. She just went on and on and on about what a terrible place this was and how it was never going to be good again and how everybody who still lived there was an idiot. And when was that? 1993? <laughs> 94? And I thought, well, that's pretty damn ignoble, you know? And I'll tell you another story. Um, when I first moved to Austin, um, I met a lot of the old salts, a lot of the old cowboys, and they were like, well, son, you missed it. You know, old Soap Creek is closed and the armadillo's gone. It's never coming back. And the punk rockers were going, oh, Raul's, it's gone. It's never coming back. The cannibal's closed. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, so the hillbillies and the punk rockers were telling me it was all done. Remember the Doug Somm letter in yeah. the 70s? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all this, to, so everybody, so there's this, there's this cyclical thing about people, you know, having their time in a space, and then that time goes on, and the cycle turns, and it, you know what I mean? And then people get pissed off that the thing turned. Yep. You know what I mean? And no, man, there's a time and there's a space. And I think 
for a certain kind of person who's moving to Austin, this is just the greatest place ever. And they're going to make great lives for themselves. They're not anybody I want to know. I think the lyric goes, it could only happen once. I saw Mark Rubin stage dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the Rockbusters. Oh, yeah. Last Friday night. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, there was a rock band here in town. There was a punk rock band called the Rockbusters here, and they had a song called Last Friday Night, and there was a line. True line, story. True story. They had a line that went, I, it will only happen once. <laughs> I saw Mark Rubin stage dive. Oh. Yeah, so, yeah, that was true. Then yeah. I, I stage dove at a, uh, it's on film, by the way. If you look up, if you want to look this up and watch me stage dive at a punk rock show, Look up the video for uh, Ultraviolet Violent Rays by the group Agony Column. Produced by the ever-popular Johnny Medina. Yeah, so if you look that up, you will see it online, and you will see a very large man in a black... Uh, in a black denim jacket, uh, wiping out a bunch of people. <laughs> it's been on MTV. It's, yeah, it was on MTV. I was actually my stage. I was on MTV. But That's no, beautiful. But, but see, it was a beautiful time. I yes. mean, it was, it was like, wasn't that a great time? I mean, and there's a great Yiddish song called "De Rege," which means the wheel, and it's basically, you know, when you're at the when you're at the top, when you're at the height, you should never grow so haughty. Right? Because there will be a bottom. Yep. So you should never grow so low. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'm, I, I feel like I've been hearing this in New, New Orleans. All these people telling me, oh, you missed it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like it was before the storm. And I was like, hey, man, I was here before the storm. I remember what it was like back then. No, it's not like that. It's different. It's going to be different. It's in a constant state of change. Do we really want things to stay the same? Hey, I remember when we didn't have the kind of uh, social progress that we have now. Yep. I remember back in the 90s, you know, homosexual people couldn't, like, show public displays of affection. Absolutely. I remember a lot of terrible things. Uh, we've progressed in a lot of ways. So if you want to trade off about the good old days, man, I mean, are you, do you want to go back to that? I mean, do you want to go back to putting people back in the closet? Do you want to go back to race relations? Do you want to go back to that, too? Because those things come, those things go together. They do. No, sir. No, I sir. No, sir. After I, I wish to progress. I wish to move forward. I wish to progress. And to do so means not to look back and go be super nostalgic. Yep. I was I was sitting there with Pops Bayless yep. from um, from the Assam Street Spankers yep. and from Shorty Long, genius musician. And he was just talking about how because of the economics of uh, Austin and, and how and the ageism of Austin and, and, and the music scene really not really happening like it used to, like it used to, um, he doesn't think he's ever going to play live again, which is, you know, it hurts my heart. You know, I, but, I caught up with Pops recently, man, and he's yeah. still clay. he played my ukulele, and I was like, dude, yeah, yes, I, I, It hurts my heart that people won't hear him, yeah. you know what I mean? But you know what he said to me? He goes, I was a soldier, I was an actor, I was a painter. I was a musician, you know what I mean, and yeah. now, now I'll be something else. He's got a great look on it. Do you know what I mean? So like that's 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 how I looked at it. I, I lived in Oklahoma. I lived in Dallas. I lived in Austin. Now I live in New Orleans. It's 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 
it's quite all right. Are they opposites? No, they're not opposites. They're different places. Yep. One of those places has culture. Ah, I like that answer. <laughs> Amen. Good, good, good. I, uh, I was the guy not too long ago, you know, that was like, Where's the reunion? Where's all the, the agony column and whoever, you know? And, and uh, Grow up. Uh, exactly. Grow up, I man. came to a realization that it's today. <laughs> Grow up. Yeah. Grow up, man. Like, yeah. like do you want to be like the 40-year-old man hanging out at the high school parking lot? Because that's what you're doing. And the vibe is 100% that. That's what you're doing, man. Yeah. Like, um, uh, the weird thing about bad livers, for instance, is that bad livers never broke up. Yeah. We never broke up. We like we 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 did. You were right before pandemic going to do a show. If I'm we, not mistaken, we, doing, we had we had a gigs tour. on the books. We yeah. had gigs on the books, and yep. we we have a uh, we made a record. <laughs> we we did a recording and stuff. We had a record in the can and stuff. But yep. uh, actually, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that's going to happen anymore either. Pretty much for the same reasons, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, come on, man. There's stuff to do. Like, I got this record. Danny's got stuff to do. I mean, you guys make great music together. So, should the opportunity ever present from a fan angle, I would appreciate. But I wouldn't come up here and ask you to play the catalog. I'd be like, "What'd you write?" Yeah, we got new stuff. There's stuff to do. Yeah, stuff to move forward. And 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 there's this whole thing about unoriginality, and uh, it's just cover band. You know, mm -hmm. like, do you want to hear another cover band? Mm -hmm. Pardon me, mm -hmm. hitting the mic. But uh, I, I think we have enough tribute bands out there. Yeah, that, even a tribute to your own band is still pretty. Is still pretty. Uh, Banter. Yeah, Banter. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> <yes>. <clears throat> that tonight's their first show as we tape. Oh wow! You're probably right great. at this moment. I love Pantera. I love Pantera. I, I want to say Pantera. big props if anyone's listening to my buddy Metal Mike who uh, set in on uh, guitar for rehearsal since Zach Wild was doing tours. My good friend Mike played guitar with Pantera so they get up to speed and play that gig tonight. Oh, that's great. That's what, a, what an amazing thing. Texas, y'all. So Texas music uh, is a broad title. It, it, I'm not good with boxes. We talk about klezmer. We talk about punk rock. We talk about uh, bluegrass. You know, and it's it's music. And uh, I think uh, the, the favorite saying is good and bad. There's two kinds. So. There's only two kinds and I like them both. Yes. You that's, have, what, that's what I said in the interview in 1991. That's dude. so good, dude. It's all coming around. It's all Around. Nathan that. sends his love. And oh, couldn't make I, did it that I did that interview with with a nasty Nathan man, and uh, I, I I went back and reviewed that interview that I did with Nathan in 1991 on Capsize, and I said, "There's only two kinds of music, good and bad. And I like them both. That's beautiful." <laughs> I'm going to ask you to play some music. I'll tell you what. Let me uh, let me do you one about the encroaching rise of fascism. Let's do that. That's a good thing. So there was a guy. <laughs> his name was Mordecai Gebertig. And Mordecai Gebertig was the, the, the Yiddish poet I was talking about. And uh, we only know about his work because he got smuggled out. Uh, he was in an internment camp north of Krakow, Poland uh, in, in 1940. A lot of his stuff got uh, smuggled out. And he was a very well-known songwriter and singer, a Permian poet. And uh, uh, his stuff got passed around. And that's how it got kind of in the air. And... Uh, he was in the Krakow ghetto, and they were cleansing the ghetto to send everybody to Auschwitz. And uh, evidently, uh, he and his wife were uppity, so they just got shot right there. God. So, uh, yeah, so that that's the story. His, uh, I think his daughters made it, but he didn't. And uh, the, uh, this song right here uh, is called Es Brent, which means it's burning. So the... 
He wrote it about a, a pogrom uh, of a little Polish town called Prismiel, I think. I can't, uh, Polish names are bad with me. But it was 1936, there was this terrible pogrom where they burnt down this Jewish village and killed everybody. And uh, so he wrote this song basically about like, look, this is what's going to happen. Like, if we don't do something right now, that's going to be not just the village. It's going to be everywhere. All right. Yeah, I actually recorded this tune uh, 20, uh, 20 years ago in its Yiddish form, kind of in a klezmer form. Uh, but this is, uh, this is just an example of me trying to reclaim uh, my American self. Uh, you know, uh, I got a banjo for my 13th birthday for my bar, my bar mitzvah. And so the, uh, this, is, this is some of my Jewishness on the banjo. It's a tune called It's Burning. And you're staring down, it's burning Said it's burning Yes, it's burning Listen up, you whole damn fools Pick up a bucket, you got the tools It's burning Said they're going around and taking names Putting every home to the flames It's burning There ain't no fireman to put it out It's burning Said it's burning Yes, it's burning Everywhere it's burning around But your arms are crossed and you're staring down It's burning Said it's burning Yes, it's You hold them fools Pick up a bucket You got the tools It's burning And you're staring down, burning. Where there ain't no rain, there ain't no flood. We'll quench these fires with our blood. It's burning. Said it's burning. Yes, it's burning. Everywhere it's burning round. But your arms are crossed and you're staring down. It's burning. It's burning Listen up, you hold damn fools 
pick up the bucket, you got the tools, it's If y'all just tuned in, this is uh, Discover Texas. We're here with my good buddy Mark Rubin. Been decades I've known this guy, not to date our gray-haired asses, but here we are, uh, 2022, and it's a pleasure to be here hearing him sing music and uh, be able to educate folks uh, with stuff that he has grown to uh, kind of be a part of, whether he chose to or not. Yeah. might be a good way to look at that so uh that track by the way burning uh as are all of these tracks astonishing stories and uh I believe you had mentioned how these writings came about from the yiddish uh fellow that you had you know translate is that a fair yeah the word that we're using is trans adaptation yes uh because you know if you just do a flat translation to somebody kind of slavish translation it doesn't you know necessarily work out or make sense to our conditions right here you know what i mean and so i i, I took the gist of the song and in, in many cases used precisely the same thing like in that last one i said there ain't no fire there ain't no flood we'll quench these flames with our blood well we quench these flames with our blood comes from him yeah right but there ain't no fire there ain't no flood that's me the origin of those writings were when uh that was from 1936 exactly <laughs> the parallels to today are yeah the parallels are are, are are a little stark i mean there are a lot of jewish people i know right now who are feeling really 1932 right now. That's mm. amongst us right now. That's how a lot of us feel right now. We, we feel a little 1932-ish right now. And we really need our friends to step up. Is it voting? Is it f community? It's, voting. it's Is just it? voting. Yeah? It's just voting. Because gerrymandering. No, it's just voting. Like, it's voting and being politically active in, like, do you know how many people I know right now who are uh, like staying quiet or even supportive of Yay right now? Like it's insane. Like, I can't even imagine. Look, man, my 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 Jewish jazz musician friends right now are despondent at how many of their African American uh, coworkers have the way that they've behaved um, in recent days. Um, they are. They're finding out who the friends are, let's put it that way. They're finding out who where they can go to hide. I would have never thought in a million years that there would be a second guess as to him receiving zero support and being... Now, mind you, we're both punk rock. We both believe in freedom of speech, and you should be able to say any and everything you want, but good Lord. Well, I think you should, too, because now... But see, the thing is, is there has to be consequence for that, that sure. speech. That, that's as simple as that. I mean, we, you know, like, talk. Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. Let's hear you keep talking because now we know. Hey, look, man, let's go on further. I'm bipolar. You know what I mean? Like, you you cannot blame mental illness for this. Um, I am a deeply bipolar person, but I, 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 I'm, I stick to my meds and I stick to my therapy and I'm committed to getting well. Right. So, but you know, this whole thing, well, he's mentally ill and you know, like we, this is a stick, this stigmatizes, further stigmatizes mentally ill people. So it's, it's, it's even worse, you know, so it's, it's inconceivable, but it, so. that's as much as I want to say about that no, particular right. subject. But the, you know, we have, we have, we, we have this, 
even let's let's take anti-Semitism out of it. Let's just call it xenophobia. We just have the encroaching rise of xenophobia going on right now, and just not enough is being done to address it. I mean, sure, uh, we're listing our pronouns on our business cards, but you know what I mean, and we're on Twitter, but that's not going to do it. People are going to have to put their skin in the game, and that's 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 my message. We did in Texas. I was looking at the numbers today, and I'm still not happy about it. And I'm a little surprised that we're celebrating having 46% of our registered voters vote this year. Now, mind you, the celebration is over the fact that the previous election was 24%. You know, that's pretty good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I agree. It is good. But to state that less than half of your registered voters voted just seems like something's broken. Yeah, we're going to need to really, I mean, like we need, you know. I just encountered a rather interesting book recently called Jews Don't Count, and it it posits this interesting concept that I just run into that has to do with how anti-Semitism is dealt with, and how it's basically not and it hasn't been, because a lot of people like don't see Jews as a marginalized group in our country. Um, a lot of people see them as being. Um, fully assimilated, and not only that, in places of privilege and power. So how could they be marginalized, right? In other words, well, they're at the heads of all these studios and that they're the heads of all these businesses and they do so well, so they're... Which they're, lies the stigma that yeah. also keeps it down. No, see, you're following. Yes. So you see, that, in other words, you're following the logic. Yeah. So, well, their skin is white and they speak English, so they're not going to get hassled by the cops. This is true absolutely true um and so that they're enfranchised the way that that caucasians are yep and they they speak english you know so and they're not immigrants so they're you know what i mean so they're they so in other words how could they possibly be a minority how could they possibly be, be marginalized hey guys i carry a gun that's my jewish privilege when i go to my synagogue we have a metal detector mm. that's my jewish privilege like I tell my fiance, I said, this is what you have to know about me. When I get up in the morning, I turn on the television and I say, where are they killing Jews today? Wow. That's Jewish privilege. That's the privilege. You want to talk about the privilege Jews have in this country? Mm. That's the privilege we have, right? So, so tell me again how privileged and enfranchised we are in this country. Mm-hmm. Right, so I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. If I get pulled over by the cops, I get everything a white man gets, right? And I pass for white really, really good, and we do, and we get all of those benefits of white privilege. We really, really do, until we don't. And it's the until we don't the provisional. It's a provisional card that can be pulled. Whenever the dominant society decides they want to pull that card, yep. whenever it's handy. So the Jews control Hollywood, right? Whenever it's convenient. Or the Jews have done very well in this country, so they're, they're wonderful members of our society. We've treated them so well. Right. Isn't that great? They're part of the patchwork quilt of this country. Or they're a fifth column who bleed us dry who, who uh, uh, exploit the labors 
of people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's you know, in other words, th- so many people, especially on the left, especially amongst progressives, it's almost entirely in the progressive community, do you find this idea that how could they possibly? And then there's also this unfortunate conflation with Jewish issues and issues that have to do with the political state of Israel. Wow, man. Right? Yeah. So, hey, man, I'm just going on record. I don't really care what goes on in other countries. It's tough, man. Me, personally, I don't care what goes on in other countries. Israel's another country. I don't care what's going on over there. You know what I do care? I care about human rights. So when countries are abusing their indigenous populations and not support... So I support human rights all around the world, whether they be in Israel or Colombia or Venezuela, you know, wherever, Indonesia. Like, I don't... So... Iraq? Or wherever. I'm just saying that, like, how... So this there's this conflation of anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. Yeah. And it's... It just makes you want to pull your hair out sometimes because you're you have no allies on the left now, so you have no allies on the right of you, no one on the right, no one on the left. You're left out to hang out to dry entirely, and that's the situation that you find yourself in. And it it's it's more and more every day. It's the mm-hmm. drip, 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 drip. That brings us now to the clock. You want to talk about the Wayback Clock? 1932. Yep, absolutely. And that's Jewish privilege. You want to talk about the privilege I have? The privilege I have is a Sig Sauer 365 XL um, with hollow points. Nice. And you were playing shotgun earlier, right? Yeah, I was out shooting shotgun the other day. (laughs) I'm going to, I don't mind. You look, I I didn't used to do this way. I didn't used to be this way. Um, I used to have a nice hunting rifle. Now I have an AR-15. It's a different day and age for sure. Whatever it might take, I won't second guess another person. Uh, It's a fine line to walk when we talk about guns and protection, no matter what color you are. Some others uh, have definite more issues with it. And uh, that's a great point. Do you find yourself doing shows at this point at, at home or other than coming out here to do this thing? Are you playing in New Orleans? You know, I don't I don't foist this on New Orleans. Yeah. Because um, how do you how do you you know, my, I guess not so much. Are you playing was the question was more of how do you address this with crowds live through your music? Everyone's drinking and having a good time and well, they hear your songs. Well, here's you the deal. Base. I got to be honest with you. I, I, I don't really present this that I'm doing now except to willing audiences Good. because um th- this is punk rock i'm kicking you in the throat yep you know like this is uneasy listening yep um my friends um who've come to see my show say when i performed in uh toronto or dc or kansas city some of the shows that i've done they were like the one guy said i was not prepared for your anger you know but his response was I get it. If you push somebody's button, you're doing the right thing, my friend. Yeah, I, when I get people getting picking up and walking out of the show, it's like you weren't supposed to be here anyway. Like the the, <laughs> the key is the key is is that um, there are other people who are in the field who are here to entertain you. There are other people here who are in the field who are here 
to make you feel better. You know, there are people here to like take you away, you know, and make you feel, you know, take away your worries and cares. And I am here to do the exact opposite. I'm here to make you feel very uncomfortable about your position. I'm here to question you a lot. I'm here to challenge you a lot. Like I am singing holiday in Cambodia. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm back to my black flag, dead Kennedy's days. It's just, this is, this is the, this is the format in with which I have found, uh, through my life's experience that I, that, and this is the topic, the Ballywick that I found that I, that I am most, um, capable and, uh, I have the most agency to speak about. Right on. You know, that's, that's all I have to say about that. That's beautiful. So out of, uh, out of these, you know, blessed interactions of which I consider this to be one, mm -hmm. you have some music you might share with us that, uh, is, is going to keep us on the path of the message. Oh yeah. I got a good one. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh this will fuck you up. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So I'm going to go back to that same poet. Okay. Mordecai Ghiberti. And, uh, this is one of his poems. It's the first track on my on my record, The Triumph of Assimilation. It's called A Tug von Nechoma. A Day for Revenge. Ah, yes. There's plenty of days for revenge. Why pick one? Because uh, it was written um, at a time when um, the camps had been opened. Mm. And people were getting lined up and shot. Yep. And people were feeling really bad. Oh yeah. And uh, they didn't they didn't know what to do and they didn't they didn't see a future. So uh, uh Gebertig wanted to give them a future, but not just a future, but a Jewish future. What was a Jewish what was a Jewish future gonna look like? so far away I promise that we'll make them pay There'll be revenge for the suffering and pain, revenge for those who still remain, oh that day will come along when we right each every wrong There'll be revenge for the widow orphan it suffice for the millions blood sin sacrifice our prophets cry out for us to awake for retribution so shall we take we'll have our revenge for the suffering and pain revenge for those who still remain oh that day will come along when we right each every wrong Humankind will turn 
turn its back on war I can see it clear on a distant shore It comes to us like Noah's dove A message of kindness, peace and love That's our revenge For the suffering and pain Revenge For those who still remain Oh, that day will come along When we right each every wrong That's our revenge Revenge of such like evil things to be done with sweetness and kindness. The Jewish response. I mean, what a passion. Like, you know, I, I get like ripping someone's throat out, you know, that kind of revenge. But the sweetness and kindness thing, I should listen to that song a little more. I've had people tell me that. I've had people not tell me that and see it in their eyes. <laughs> Are you listening to uh, any of uh, the modern music these days, Mr. Mark Rubin? Gosh, I uh, I do, but it's uh, not American. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I've done a lot of world traveling, and uh, and and from doing so, um, I've been exposed to a lot of different kinds of music. So, uh, and I have a lot of friends from different countries. Um, like I said, I got friends from Russia and Ukraine. And, and, and Romania and Moldova and uh, uh, Latvia and Berlin. And a lot of those people are making music. And so I've kind of followed them and listened to their stuff. Would you say that your style of music you've chosen these days have lent, it has lent itself to these um, relationships you've developed with these specific countries? Nope, not at all. Okay, because I'm, I'm doing that very carefully. You may have said, "Seen." Well, I'm, I, I see myself. I see myself in many ways as the American equivalency to the people that that I know in those countries, mm -hmm. because they are modern musicians working within the folk traditions of their own country, and I, being a Southern American who grew up with bluegrass and Americana and country and rock. Um, that's my modern vernacular, so that's what I'm speaking through. And my friends, you know, from Moldova and you know, who know me through klezmer music, they're just as charmed as can possibly be to hear me playing the banjo. Yep. I mean, they were like, whoa, like, you know, they're wow, Mark is plays the folk music of his own land. You know what I mean? They see that as a as an authentic, you know, uh, an authentic statement. And, and that's where I'm trying to go with this is I'm trying to represent um, the Southern experience, but also relate it to my own Jewish experience all at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's a reconciliation, you know, from that moment that I was there with Dell. You know what I mean? It's just such a, a mixing bucket, as it were, you know, of so mm -hmm. many emotions and people and cultures. And, and I just uh, I could see it being a real challenge for you. The wider you spread your brush, which oh, yeah. is what you're looking for. Yeah, I'm it's, pretty really, sure, it's, so. it's, it's a challenge. It's a hard sale. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Where can we hear your record? Well, you go to Bandcamp. You simply go to Bandcamp. Um I think you just look up Jew of Oklahoma on the Bandcamp and you will find it. I think it's jewofoklahoma.bandcamp to be quite I believe so, yeah. I think that's where you find it. You can uh, listen to it. You can listen to it and see if you want to buy it right there. 
then you can download it or buy a single track. Uh, I'll make a good ch- goodly chunk of the money the way that I wouldn't on Spotify. Yep. Um, or if you just if you're going to be that way, if you're just one of those people and you just want to listen to my music, I think I'll be honest with you, friends and neighbors. I think the the gist of my music, the message of my music is important, and I would like to have it get out there. And if that's all you want to do is listen to it on Spotify, I would like you to listen to my music. It's better that you hear my music than you don't. Uh, if you feel compelled to support the arts, if uh, that's how you were raised, as my father would say. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bless your dear hearts moment. It is. It? <laughs> it is right there. That's a that's a perfect definition. That's an Oklahoma thing. If, I love it. If that was how you were raised um, and, and, and wish to support the arts, um, you you, uh, you can make a donation. You can make a donation as little. You can have my record. Uh, I think it's uh, for I think it's ten bucks. You know, that's you, awesome. You can have a download for it, and uh, you'll have my eternal. Uh, uh, you know, then you you know you're going to keep me as we like to say you're going to keep me in in rights with the New Orleans uh, Sewage and Water Board. That's you know, great. That's uh, that's that's where that's going to be going because we're uh, we're we're making it by skin's teeth. You know, and with this uh, new CD, we'll be playing on uh, Discover Texas on KZSM.org. Um, I don't know if there's another place we can ask for it on radio, but uh, I guess there are places this day and age yeah, they just, will play this type yeah, of thing. Yeah, do this. Call up your radio station and ask for it by name. See, uh, I like it. See, ask for the ask Jew of Oklahoma. Accept no substitutes, unless of course you want to. I feel like I might get it. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, as far as future for you, um, mm-hmm. I know you've come down here to uh, see old friends and who knows what in Austin. Well, I've been in this very studio working on a new record. Yeah. So I did some more banjo tunes for the new record. So uh, the name of the new record is called "The Jews Harp." Nice. <laughs> I like it. Well, that's a really racist name for this well, for an instrument. So I kind of wanted to reclaim that too. I like it. Yeah. So the name the name of the record is "The Jews Harp," and uh, I've got a. I've just got a few pieces uh, ready for it. I, I haven't been in writing mode, but boy, I'm sure enthused lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot to talk about lately. 100%. So, so I might, I might uh, spit out some tunes. Uh, but you know, it's really expensive making a record. I don't know where the money's coming from. I'll be frank with you. I have no idea where the money would be coming from to make a new record. So that's Jew of Oklahoma, Bandcamp.com. Yeah. So maybe that's where I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> say. I think I've sold the last record. Uh, I think I sold a grand total off of Bandcamp. I I think I sold a grand total of 22 copies. Yeah. Which means the $6,000 invested into it uh, has not been recouped. Yeah, man. Well, you know, there's there's ways if you have physical copies and, uh, you know, you press the flesh on the road and you do all those laborious things, if that's your the goal, road? you know. The um, road? Exactly. You remember the road. The road where gas is $4 a gallon and it's... the hotel rooms are 175 a night <laughs> and the guarantee is 75 bucks. Yes. I think the I'm... guarantee is not been that high in years. It has been years. You're probably right. You're probably right, dude. Man, I would love to hear you play another tune for us. You got anything you want to lay lay well, down on the show? Let's see. Let's see. Maybe I should play you some banjo tunes. Some banjos would be good, some huh? banjo tunes. It's a sweet sounding little thing right there. I'm going to play this one here. I'm going to play this one here. I'm going to play some like, uh, you know, um, you know, the thing about the banjo is it's an, it's an African instrument. You know, 
That's yes, Ralph taught me that. <clears throat> it comes directly from Africa. That's where it comes from. And during the industrial, uh, you know, uh, it got appropriated by uh, European Americans, but not just European Americans, but Irish Americans um, were primarily the folks that uh, took the banjo and kind of normalized it and normalized its tuning. And then, uh, did you just say normal and tuning and banjo yeah, in one sentence? That's crazy. I'm just making sure. I know it's God knows. <laughs> Back to the banjo jokes. And I'm on a tune too, just, nice, just, nice. just, just because of that. And uh, they, uh, then the industrial revolution came along, and they kind of, you know, once again, kind of formalized it. So it's a, it's an interesting instrument. It comes from Africa, and then it, it got then the then the Irish kind of uh, took it up and played it in minstrel shows, and they kind of did their thing to it. And then the industrial age, you know, our industrialism kind of did another number on it and then you know the, the scotch irish uh, started playing their own uh, fiddle tunes that they learned from uh, that they brought with them from the emerald isles and uh, that's how we have old time and then eventually bluegrass music and uh, my thought was well what if you took that same idea uh, of taking this African instrument and instead of being an Irishman playing Scotch-Irish tunes on it, what if you were a Jewish person and got a hold of it and you just played old Jewish mel melodies on it? Well, what do you know? Well, there's a thought. Yeah. So, uh, so that was my thought. So I had. So what I did was I, I worked up a little some uh, a little suite of Jewish melodies. I'm, 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 which one should I play? I'll play just a short little suite of tunes.
in that thing that was a roller coaster yeah right yeah yeah it's it's three kinds of dances yeah you get, what you do is when you're at the dance you kind of start off with this kind of three three four kind of a dance it's, it's ominous not a waltz. it's not a waltz but it's kind of a that's a beautiful little dance it's kind of low-key and then you kind of go and you kind of get them and they kind of like a little two four dance, and then after you got people doing that for a while, then you pick it up. That was and the killer get, right there, get, dude. Then you get them, then you get them. That was the mosh pit, yeah, a little bit of a mosh pit. I like those it. dances. Like, what I learned is, is those dances can go on 45 minutes, yeah, you know, when they get going, man. Yeah. There's the band just keeps cranking, and that's uh, the nature of like the percussion, the rhythm, everything built into this little guy yeah, and the, the backbone banjo. of the song. Yeah, and see, the whole thing is, is that the banjo is based on this African rhythm, right? That's like doom, ducky, doom, ducky, doom, ducky, doom, ducky, doom. Whereas klezmer music is. That's the rhythm of klezmer. So I do everything, even though I'm still using the African backbeat of. Still doing that? Yeah. I'm trying to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still getting the. And it feels right. And I'm still trying to get the Jewish what we call tom or flavor. I'm still trying to get the still trying to get the Jewish flavor while I'm still playing the banjo. It's I like it's been it. difficult, but I'm, yeah, yeah. I've been I've been pulling it off. And once again, I'm not like. It's not like I want there to be a whole bunch of Jewish banjo players playing this. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's not like I'm trying to do like a thing. You've uncovered a real market here. No, I see I'm the not dollar. Like, I'm in not this. like well it's not even that. It's yeah, not like no. I'm it's not like I'm trying to get like a thing going on. This is just a deeply and highly personal expression. And what Bill I mean? Hicks would say, Oh, the I'm not trying to get a thing going on dollar. It's a big dollar today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're taping on a Friday. And Friday is the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath. And uh, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, they didn't have, they made us sing uh, gospel songs in school. So I learned a lot of them. Like, are you going to be a saint on that shore or a sinner left far behind? Are you going to do as Jesus commands? Are you 
that in school you can't sing those songs so um the thing is is that uh i always the thing is is that um most what they call uh jewish praise music um is lousy the the, the i'm on record right i'm on record it's it's uh it's it's lousy uh, it's it's not it's not cool it's not a lot of fun um and so what i wanted to do was come up like on each one of my records I wanted to come up with even though I'm, uh, I'm I'm culturally Jewish I am an agnostic I don't mind sharing um, it doesn't keep me from going to synagogue I go to synagogue regularly because just because you're an agnostic doesn't get you off the hook <laughs> <laughs> and there's Jewish people out there who know exactly what I mean that's great uh, doesn't, doesn't get you off the hook people um, so, uh, but one of the things about Jewish custom and practice, well, I, but what I want to say is that I, I, I wanted to make a cool, a cool Jewish gospel song, like a like a little Jewish gospel song. Did you just say a cool Jewish gospel? I song? I wanted to make a cool Jewish gospel song, right. you know, that that could get played and that, that that would make little Jewish kids think that Jewish gospel songs cool. And um, and also one of the one of the things about Jewish custom and practice that I think is actually healthy is the Sabbath, the mm-hmm. idea of taking time out, right? And uh, so I wrote a song called Good Shabbos, and that's somebody that's, that's like a greeting on the Sabbath. Uh, Shabbos is uh, Yiddish for Sabbath. So you say, Good Shabbos, Good Shabbos. So, or, or Shabbat Shalom is what they say in Hebrew, but that's somebody else. I say Good Shabbos. And uh, so I wrote this song about what happens on Shabbos. Shabbos, gonna walk off work tonight. Good Shabbos, gonna light those candles bright. Good Shabbos, gonna rest up with my friends. Study Torah till the Sabbath ends. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, gonna take out time and rest. Good Shabbos, so that I can feel my best. Good Shabbos, tonight the family dines, making blessings over the wine. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, good Shabbos, gonna open up the gates up wide. Good Shabbos, to welcome the Sabbath bride. Good Shabbos, you better get on down to shul. Study up on the golden rule. On Shabbos, on Shabbos, on Shabbos, we unload our woes and cares. On Shabbos, join the congregation in prayer. On Shabbos, you better put that phone away. It can wait till another day. Yeah, on Shabbos. Yeah, good Shabbos. Yeah, on Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Yeah, good Shabbos from Six String Ranch. Discover Texas and Mark Rubin. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. This is uh, one of my dear friends that goes back for many decades, and I hope to see you back around when we do this Juice Harp album. Oh, 
gosh, what a pleasure. Heck yeah. Thank you guys. You can find Mark Rubin uh, music at Bandcamp and uh, you can get him on Facebook to argue with you. I promise. Just poke him. Just poke me. Hey, and as my old buddy Don Walzer liked to say, if we don't see you in the future, we'll see you in the pasture. I'm going to do my favorite Don Walzer quote. What's that? <laughs> 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 That's the only one, man. God bless. Discover Texas heard live every Saturday on KZSM.org, San Marcos True Community Radio. You can hear Discover Texas at your convenience. We are heard on Google, Amazon, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to tune in live every Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Only heard on KZSM.org, True Community Radio, from the heart of San Marcos, Texas.